everybody, and welcome to Pod Stallions. I am Brian, and with me to my very, very far left, I can't see him, is Jason. Hello, everyone. And this week, we have decided to watch The Watchmen and talk about this uh, seminal, groundbreaking comic and its many inter- iterations and its uh, impact. Uh, some 35 years later, is it 35 years old? 80, uh, 86. So goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you, did you get in on this comic on the ground floor? Were you there? uh, Day one? I was trying to think of this because, you know, 86, I wasn't, um, I wasn't really frequenting comic shops at that point. Cause as you know, I had so many ladies at that Mm, point. Yeah. Yeah. Just your medallion years. I simply had no time. Yes. Um, but uh, but I, I remember distinctly the uh, but what I did have as a strapping young 15 year old uh, was a, a uh, subscription to Rolling Stone. Uh, I think I got it my like freshman year or something. And it was, you know, I, I got it for the articles. Um, but why uh, else would you get it? There was that big uh, that big article on The Dark Knight Returns. And so. I was trying to figure out, you know, kind of going backwards when I picked up Dark Knight Returns, um, which would have led to Watchmen. But whenever the trade paperback, that's when I got it. I knew of it before, but I did not pick up the individual issue. Wouldn't have been something that I was hyper aware of uh, at that time. So I wasn't following it uh, over the course or whatever. Did you get it as a single issue thing? No. Um, At that time, I was not. 86 I was I was actually starting to collect old toys. So I was frequenting comic shops but not for um new books. Right. Um I was occasionally uh, helping a friend out running cash and that sort of thing. But I I don't think I I don't think I really cared. I was aware of it. I remember being aware of it. Um because it was hard. I, I, I read uh, Comic Buyer's Guide uh, for the toy ads. Mm. And um, I, I always liked reading about comics more than I did reading them. And mm-hmm. um, But I hadn't picked up the comic. I'd heard it was dark. And um, I just really wasn't that into it. I got into it actually in the 90s mm. uh, when I started um, – I was uh, – Believe it or not, I, I was uh, uh, taking karate in the back of a comic book store. Oh, that's wild. And, um, I, you know, the, the the owner and I got to be pretty chummy. And, and well, I knew him before, but um, he was just recommending books I'd like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was picking up trades and I picked up the Watchmen, you know, probably at like 25. Mm-hmm. So I was a little late to the party. Mm-hmm. Um but mind you, I kind of knew who the characters were, and um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't uh, like the story was blown for me or anything like that. And I, I certainly was familiar with um, both Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons because they met at uh, and this is a callback at Doctor Who magazine. That's right. That's my. Yeah. I, I was trying to figure that out when. When I first read Alan Moore, or kind of knew who he was, what the, what the name was, and yeah. that was the connection. Like without knowing 
once I'm I'm reading uh, Watchmen, instantly I recognize the art and go, that guy did Tom Baker. I know this guy did. Yeah, Tom Baker. I like I like his I like Dave Gibbons' art too. I love his art. I yeah. love 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 his art. I love the because you see it and you know who it is. There, there's 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 a lot of stuff out there, especially the last 15, 20 years that. You put it in front of me, and I'm like, I don't know. Is it Jim Lee? I think it's Jim yeah. Lee. Whereas a, a Dave Gibbons, you just you know that's Dave Gibbons. And so I went, you know, I went and grabbed my old issues of, you know, uh, Doctor Who Weekly or whatever at the time to look up the, or maybe maybe it was even look grabbing the the reprints, the first four reprints maybe, or the ones that came out, and and just doing a comparison and knowing that, you know, that's that's who this was. Um, so, but it was the kind of thing that, that as I went along with it, uh, reading it, that it was, um, you know, it's, it's, there's so many, there's no way to talk about Watchmen unless you hate it or something. If you like it and you admire it and appreciate it, there's no way to talk about it. It doesn't sound like a cliche or like you're, you're repeating something that's already been drilled home, you know, for 30 years about it. But it was, what, what blew my mind was... The, the those chapter break because there's no there were no ads in the the single issues and of course there's, there's nothing in the in the trade but when it would you know every chapter or two you'd have the black the black freighter thing yeah but like here's an excerpt from under the hood you know and it's four or five yeah here's an here's an excerpt of the rorschach file and you're suddenly reading you know three or four pages of the rorschach file and without that you don't know what's so special about the mask it's in the rorschach file that you figure out or you're told what the material is and how it was got into his hands and and everything um or different articles that were in there that's the stuff that really knocked me out like oh man this is a completely different experience that i think there's a there's a lot there's a lot going on in the back too um Oh, you know, yeah. like the, yeah. there's so much going on. Like I remember reading it once and just reading what the side characters are saying, you know, um, and you, you notice it a lot. And I'm, I'm assuming everyone's read this by now. If you you aren't, then skip ahead. Yeah. Um, spoilers. The, Watchmen spoilers ahead. We're going to talk about every bit of this thing. And so yeah. if you've read it or seen it or seen the show, stop this and go do that now. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait. Yeah, we'll wait. Um, so the, um, the, the the when the when the apocalypse there is happening, you know the uh, the, the big space aliens coming down. Mm-hmm. The, the all this all these side characters that you really don't know anything about are having like their own squabbles and problems, and you know, and, and you're just sitting there like, yeah, this is like the real world. Like everyone's in their own little world here, and um, well, that I just. That- I found that really interesting. That aspect even threw me a bit because I don't think I'd ever read something like that where, you know, you, you're following the, the conversation, the back and forth between the, the news agent and the kid who's yeah. sitting there in the thing. And as I'm reading it, I remember this the very first time, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, this is all going to come into play down the road. Like mm-hmm. this conversation, these conversations are going to be important in some way down the road. And they're not. They're just yeah. they're just, you know, just giving you some realism to it and commentary on, you know, what's happening in the world, sort of. Um, and that I'd never seen before, where you've just got this, you know, 
uh, casual conversations, as Supertramp would say, uh, between people that um, that you think is going to be important, an important plot point, but isn't really, you know, um, yeah. but it was, um, you know, and I and of course, like I'm sure most people that read it or that are interested in the things we're interested in, when you get to the bit when you meet Ozymandias uh, with the reporter. And on his desk, he's got some uh, awesome action figures. I think yeah. there's action figures, and I think there's a maybe like a prototype of Bubastis or something, the cat, the, the yeah. modified, something like that. There was, I, I think there's a Dylan action figures, too. Or it, yeah, 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 that's it, yeah. And he's got like a box on his desk and a couple things. And I just remember going, oh, my God. That's cool. Like, I wonder if someone's going to make these. Do you know yeah. that Paul Clark made... A, um, I think a, 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 I can't remember which character, but he made a custom Mego for the film. Oh man! That unfortunately what, got it, cut. Oh, to be in the film? Yeah. Oh no, I didn't know. Yeah, that. he had to overnight it to Zack Snyder. He told me that like a week ago. And oh, uh, yeah. Oh man, because that would have been a perfect spot to have it, like on his yeah. desk. Yeah, and I forget, uh, he, you know, he told me, and I can't remember the whole story now, but um, he had to overnight it in one day, and it probably was like a Rorschach, or um, was it a Rorschach? I, I don't know, but somebody, like, he, he knew somebody in California ordered all these parts, and he's like, you're making a Watchmen character, and they said, yeah, we're working on the movie, and he goes, yeah, I figured, because it's Hollywood, and... Uh, I you know he he tells the story better. I have to I have to ask him again. But um, that I'd love to know. Yeah, what the character was or more about that. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it got cut. It definitely got cut because yeah, like, yeah, it did. I don't think I I think I'm gonna look and see if it's in the cut scenes on the the Blu-ray, but I don't think it was there. Um, I'd have remembered because I've I've gone through that Blu-ray a couple times. Um, yeah. But we'll get to that. Um, so the, it, yeah, it definitely knocked me out. Like it really was. It's incredibly meta. Um, yeah, and I think the I like I you know the backstory of this, right? Like um, DC bought all the Charlton superheroes. Yeah. Um, mainly, I think because Dick Gorgiano, I'm mangling his name, uh, worked at Charlton. Yeah. And yeah. then Alan Moore came with this this proposal and he's like i'm not killing off all my heroes <laughs> we just, and they just they just got over here what are you talking about yeah yeah and then they made this um this new universe and that's one of the things i really like about the watchman universe is between the gibbons art and the writing this is completely you, you're not reading this and going this is a marvel book or this is a dc book it's really its own thing it's yeah. it's it just by happenstance, I think, um, has a unique everything to it. And, and when we what? think of it, it's so it's so fashionable now to to deconstruct such things like it is. Oh, yeah. So, you know, to you know, what what does it mean if somebody does this and then they go out and do that and whatever with, you know, in, in the world of superheroes. Um, but I'm going to say we got some of that with uh, Marvel Man or you know, miracle man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with again, more, uh, yeah. 
constructing a character, but you know, he's and Swamp Thing, of course, he, he you know, he did, but I hadn't seen, I hadn't read those yet. Like I hadn't really gotten to those um, before Watchmen, I don't think. Um, but it was a radical thing to do with with brand new characters, and I'm just, I'm saying it's now become so almost passe to, you know, there's been so many things done not just outside of Marvel and DC where it's a, you know, there's one, there's one right now with Stallone. Uh, that's a, an Amazon, uh, uh, prime. yeah, I saw that. I saw that one. Um, I forget what it's called. Um, with an S. See, yeah. I can't, no, I, I can't remember. Samaritan, that's it. It was in Samaritan. It was, to me, that would have been like one of the best superhero movies I saw in the nineties. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. to say it's bad but no it was it was i thought i thought it was going to be bad but i actually thought it was pretty good the kid was good but you know it was nice to see stallone acting it was nice to see him because you know i i got recently i i got the director's cut of copland which i never i never saw the director's cut and i hadn't seen the movie in about i don't know six seven years maybe and i think that's yeah. Perfect, um, but Stallone is so good in it. Besides the rest of the cast and the script and everything, James Mangold, Stallone is so good in Copland. He's the yeah. center of he's the center of the story, but he never pulls the spotlight. He doesn't. His I don't think he ever raises his voice. He barely gets you know two sentences out each line, kind of thing. Um, and he's incredible. And I just, just seeing it again, I you know we sort of you know disappointed in like i wish he would have done more things you know he, he uh yeah Stallone actually said something that that wrecked his career for a while and um Wait, I, you, I couldn't yeah it's the thing hands down that he gets the most outside of the first rocky the thing that he gets the most praise for as an actor um is copland and that's why he and wanted, rhinestone and rhinestone Stop or my mom will shoot, which mm. which people don't realize was a drama. They just marketed it as a comedy. It was really a drama. It was more uh, of a dramedy. A dramedy. Um, so uh, yeah. So anyways, the Samaritan thing is just like there's so much of that. There's so much original content that isn't with the big the big two that sort of de- deconstructs superheroes. That at the time, what this thing was doing really, you know. Again, everything we're going to say is a cliche about this book, but it was radical. It was, you know, kind of kind of mind blowing. And did you, did you what was your take when you first read the whole thing? Did you go, yeah, eh, yes. Or did you go, wow? I went, wow. Um, the story, I think I went, wow, when I read it again. And um, it's a comic I've picked up. Uh, many times and looked over and over again because um, it's it's not a feel good story, um, but it's well it's well written it's well crafted and you notice something new every time you pick it up, mm-hmm. you know. And um, one of the things I think Grant Morrison once said about it was, you know, it's it's a loop of a story too. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know it's told from Rorschach's perspective, mm-hmm. and then at the end that uh, that schlubby guy in the the, the newspaper office gets his yeah. journal. Yeah. So you're gonna start over again, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So I, um, you know, and it's very much of its time too. Like, you know, they've created a world that is purposely otherworldly. Like, um, you know, Dr. Manhattan's changed a lot of things. People dress very strangely in the world. Um, you know, like clothing's weird. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Like, um, there's no gas anymore. Everyone's just using, you know, atomic or his atomic energy. Um, cigarettes aren't, you know, is you don't smoke a pack anymore. It's like a long thing. That's much more healthy for you. And that's, that's to me, one of the strokes of genius of it is that it's, it's our world, but different. It's this kind of, kind of setting that really works because you can get away with, you know, president Redford and, you know, a candidate, candidate Redford was running at that point. Nixon was still president, third term, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you have the familiarity. And, you know, I think people also sort of forget or take for granted that the the subject matter, you know, Russia and, and the U.S. being on the verge of nuclear holocaust was a really very scary thing. Uh, yeah. Like it was a thing that you, every time you see the cover of Time magazine or something, you think, OK, well, this is going to happen like any any second. Just two guys sitting in a room going to press a button and that's it. And all yeah, that. I mean, oh, yeah. two tribes, two uh, tribes. land right. of confusion. We we had a lot of uh, we had a lot of songs about the apocalypse. That's right. The chant is yeah. begun. Forty two. Yeah. I forget that one. Um, so, yeah. So all of that. Um, and I I when I finished it, I was wow. Like it really like knocked me out and i had to i think i read it again a couple months later because i i just went i know i've missed some stuff you know i might have even like skipped one of the supplemental things just thought oh this probably isn't important you know and then went back in and, and yeah, I, I probably skimmed over the pirate stuff um <clears throat> i always like that too is that the biggest comics in a world full of superheroes are pirate comics right um, which, you know, obviously um, is a very uh, underperforming genre here. I mean, I think it's, EC Comics published a few pirate comics, but I don't, I don't know if there was any long running interest was, in that. It was years before I understood why it was in there. <laughs> like reading it the first I didn't understand what it was doing in there. I thought it was, if anything, it was paralleling some of the paranoia and the, the anxiety that was to come in the story. But I didn't. I didn't know for years that the reason he chose, you know, pirate comics was because, you know, why would people re- want to read comics of uh, if heroes exist, why would they want to read comics of them or something? Which yeah. is the, the thing, the scope of it too. You were talking about the scope of it, the fact that more, um, and these were, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, nine panels on each page, which was which was not the norm for comic books. Um, so there's nine panels, so three, 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 and they used uh, uh, a different color palette as well for this book. Lots of, you know, sort of reflections of light, purples. It's beautiful. Oh. I love the colors in that comic. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it just, it, it, I think it all goes together with what made it look and seem so different. You know, and, and there's also a thing with, with Moore that... Um, uh, his sense of humor. Now, uh, he's a complicated man, and no one understands him but his woman. But his woman, yeah. Um, but he's a complicated man in, in some ways. Um, I think he he is a bona fide genius, um, what, he, what he did. You know, to be fair, 
as critical as he is of everything <laughs> and now comic books in general that like get off my lawn kind of thing um he everything he did was other people's creations everything he at the time yeah but that's yeah. because he wanted to play in those sandboxes right so you know <laughs> superman everyone talks about the superman story everyone talks about the swamp thing run uh miracle man um uh, uh, you know, Watchmen, obviously riffing on existing characters. Um, you know, he, so I, I always think it's ironic that he, <clears throat> you know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is all, they're all original creations of other authors. Um, mm-hmm. it's a bit interesting that he's you know, very so critical about what is done with his stuff, you know, from hell is a real story, you know, an actual thing that happened. And, but anyway, but he, um, his, his, direction of gibbons was so intense and so in in every bit of that thing i mean gibbons brought his own stuff to it as well but the fact that moore is is typing away on this stuff and at the same time has all the images he knows where the, what he where he wants to go with these stories or how you know i mean it's all in the direction of the script too you know from the from the first cover and that's another thing i think is that each cover is the first panel of that issue which I'd never seen before. Yeah. Instead of a cover that was is like you know you know Luke and Ben punching a guy in a canteen in the cantina, you know that's we never get out of here, Ben. Yeah. It's, this dialogue that we never saw in the movie. Yeah. Keep swinging that lightsaber, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> never the thing like that that never shows up in the story. This thing was you know the cover was the first panel of the story, which is which is insane. So. So there's the book, and I don't remember if I ever found any merchandise at comic shops. I remember seeing a watch that w- that came out when the book came out. I thought there was metal miniatures. I remember. Um, I actually had those uh, once. I don't know what happened. I don't know if yeah, the watch was a big deal. Um, my local comic shop has had a Watchman clock. And it's in in it since I don't know since the book came out it's still there. Um, <coughs> sorry, I had to cough there. Um, I mean, there might the, have been like a t-shirt or two, maybe. Like, I'm just trying to think yeah. of the whatever mer- whatever little merchandise there was. You never you never got merchandise really that often. Yeah. Um, remember how hard it was to find a superhero t-shirt. Yeah, I was I, I was thinking maybe the first one I I had as a slightly more grown uh, human would have been for Batman or something. I probably had yeah. a Batman for that one. That movie. Oh, of course, yeah, that's when everybody had a Batman shirt. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, there wasn't a. Yeah, no. <clears throat> go ahead, go ahead. But there was movie buzz um, right off the bat. Yes, and um, I believe it was Terry Gillum. And Sam Hamm uh, was yeah. writing it, and I, I can honestly remember like an interview with um, uh, Alan Moore, and he, you know, this is young, innocent, uh, full of optimism, Alan Moore, you know, who's all excited about it. But um, you know, that was before I think uh, DC and Hollywood just just made him hard you know um oh, I, I, I often i i you know I, I i empathize with alan moore i think more than a lot of creators i you know it's 
it's like, you know, that old saying, who hurt you? Oh, they hurt you. Oh, those guys over there. Yeah, okay, I see it. You know, uh, like I just sort of have this um, empathy for him. I, I see what happened to him. Um, I do, too. You know, I do. A degree i get the i get the artist aspect you know it's it's the same as harlan ellison from city on the edge of forever forward the second somebody tweaks it or does something different they they blow a gasket but they're oh i, I can't stand ellison is a different story um, I know. they're not the same man i'm saying yeah they both take issue with making changes to i mean more has more always has said that the reason some of the reason he tells stories the way he does is because they can only be told in the medium that he chose in the comic. Sure enough. Yeah. He would try to. And, and, and this, that's a quote that I remember from, you know, well before, you know, you know, HBO and Netflix type series where everything has changed in the, the long form telling of a, of a story. There wasn't that option really. And so mm-hmm. but I first read about Gilliam's name, but it had to be early nineties when that kept floating around. And, um, uh, and then allegedly, you know, in another interview with Moore, maybe on his 50th or whatever that was, uh, someone or someone asked Gilliam, what would you do? How would you make this thing? And he said, well, I wouldn't like there's no way to make this movie. There's no way to make this whole thing as a, as a movie. Gilliam might have suggested a miniseries, like a network type miniseries. I, I, I was going to suggest that, too. Um, I think this is a. This would have been an amazing 12-part HBO miniseries. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, because it's just got so much to, to pack in there. Yeah. And what do you cut? You know, you, you, that's, that's the problem with a lot of Hollywood adaptations of things is this is a, this is a two-hour movie. Right. And, um, you know, I think Snyder did a very good job with it. And, you know, he well, let's, c- certainly made it three hours long. Yeah. Which, well, um, yeah, well, okay. What I was going to say was, by the time Gilliam sort of, that thing starts to dissolve. I mean, I think just about every studio in town had Watchmen at one time or another. Everybody tried to get this thing off the ground multiple times with multiple directors and multiple writers. And it just, it just, they couldn't figure out how to do it or what the scope would be. And uh, Snyder, at that point, had had uh, the remake of Day- uh, Dawn of the Dead, which did very, very well. And I think it's, yeah, he was kind of a golden boy. Yeah, I thought it was a great remake as remakes go and that kind of thing. I, I thought it was great. Might have been the was that the first one where zombies went fast? Is that the one that everybody points to? It's, that, uh, you know, I, I argue it's it, that it's not the first, uh, but that's that's real semantics. It's definitely the you know the the biggest film where we had uh, yeah fast moving zombies. I mean, Return of the Living Dead they were kind of moving pretty fast too. Right. So yeah. he okay, that comes out does very well. Then he does Three Hundred. I think that was the only other film he did. The second one and that did really well. I think you had Sin City, which was you know fairly low budget. Rodriguez did everything. That was huge. And I think Three Hundred followed it. <laughs> Yeah, and this is this is where Hollywood um, can't seem to can't seem to uh, think on its own two feet is that they get a guy who directed a good comic book movie, and then they're like, "Well, you can direct all comic book 
bodies. Right. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. uh, and yeah. I'm not I'm not saying Snyder was Snyder did 300 justice. And, you know, he, he did a good job on The Watchmen, although I think he missed its tone. Um, oh, see, but, I, you know, then, but handing and, him Superman was weird. Yeah. But let's let's get to Watchmen, because that, okay. that's a, like you get, so you get these two movies that do very well. It, it was it seemed to be in hindsight like a natural thing for them to go we've got this property we're not sure how to do it you clearly are having luck with genre stuff you know yeah and I understand there are detractors out there I don't really know anyone that despises that movie or hates it I think it's fantastic I've, I've talked about it plenty on this show um, it gets better each time I see it. And I'll fight anyone on each point if they like uh, verbally. Um, but at the end of the day, what people need to remember and as an appreciation is just what you said. It's a two hour and 45 minute movie. It was it was one hundred and eighty million dollars. And he didn't compromise a bit. And for all those years that everybody said you'll be able to do it, it'll never happen. Did, or, you know what, Hollywood's going to get it, turn it into a happy meal. They're going to get Tom Cruise. <laughs> that, it, it, was, it was never – was, was so uptight about how badly it was going to be ruined. Now here comes a guy that says, I'm going to be faithful to the book. Obviously, I'm not going to get every single thing in there. Um, and, then he, and then he even went further – to the studio and said, oh, and I also want to do the animated thing. We can put that out as a DVD, as a separate thing before the movie comes out. Uh, you know, and he got to do multiple cuts and all this stuff. It is a, a, a massive achievement. And I think they had over 200 practical sets in that movie. So that whole New York Street thing is all practical. When you think about 300 and a lot of the stuff he did after Watchmen, you, you just get the sense that it's two people on a, on a plank of wood with a bunch of green around them, and they never go anywhere to do anything. Watchmen, you know, the proof is is you know is in the pudding, and and then you get to the cast, and you know, there was never going to be something that was going to attract, you know, a list because there goes you know a thirty-year budget or something. Um, I thought he did a wonderful job with the cast, especially Rorschach, and Billy Crudup, which I appreciate more and more as the years go on because he's so stoic. He's so perfect and just side note the cgi of dr manhattan from 2009 is better than the cgi for she hulk 2022 that's all i'm gonna say um i think it's i think it's incredible i think um like i say like with the book each time i see it i i see something else that i go oh i didn't notice that on there. i didn't notice the squid or the name the system that's uh Ozymandias do whatever you know and oh that's supposed to be uh, that's annie leibowitz and that's supposed to be the, the little easter eggs that are all throughout there too i mean it is it was a mammoth undertaking and uh mileage may vary i get it but if he had made a 90 minute or two hour pg-13 film it would have done double the business um and it, but he would have been crucified for it so i i can crucify him for plenty oh. after watchmen but i will stand by him always for what he pulled off uh with that film uh and i think it's i think it's incredible yeah um i don't uh i don't hate the film i I like the film i own it um and i walked out of the theater thinking that's the best you're gonna get um 
That's a great uh, way to put it. Like, uh, is it is it devoted to the the book? It, it tries very hard to follow the book. I think he's missed the mark tonally a few times. Um, you know, because I, like one of the biggest things I have is uh, the portrayal of Rorschach, and uh, I think Jackie Earl Haley was brilliant as the character. I, I think it's a wonderful job, but there's just, you know, I think from what I've read of more and from what I looked at the book, Rorschach is not to be aggrandized. He's a creep. And, um, but see, I don't think he's romanticized in the film. He, he is, everyone calls him a psychopath, you know, like, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what's her, Silk Spectre says he's a lunatic or he's psycho or something. They should lock you up, blah, blah, blah. We mm-hmm. see how black and white he is. We, we know he's a fascist. I mean, he's, he's black or white. They're, yeah. they're, you know, I think Moore even said it's interesting. It's like, you know, I remember all the interviews with Sting with uh, Every Breath You Take, where it ends up being the biggest movie of that year, the biggest song of that year. And he got some certificate of like, this certifies it's got one million plays on radio. And he's like, you know, it's a song about possession. It's a song about kind of a creepy dude who wants to possess. Like he's not letting someone alone. Like it's not a, it's not a love song. It's not a. Mm. And he never understood why people didn't get. It's very much like born, uh, born in the USA. Everyone used it as campaign music, and it was like that's not what it's about. So Moore was always kind of fascinated that people were drawn to Rorschach because he's not a likable character. On the other hand, he's really fucked up. Like he had yeah. a really bad childhood and was on his own for a long time. And you, his, his morality is what it is. But if you want, you know, you can, he's, it's written in a way that you can kind of understand where it comes from. Um, but, but I think it's, I think it's, it, it, he, he, I think the thing is he looks, he looks, he looks amazing. He looks and sounds cool in every scene. And so it kind of makes sense that you'd, that you'd uh you know romanticize it a bit but yeah i think they i think it's it's handled kind of as it is in the book the comedian stuff <clears throat> this is a thing about alan moore i'm just gonna say it. The, the several several books of his sexual assault kind of comes into the the storyline mm-hmm. that, that was dropped in and um the if, if i were to criticize them, um and these are these are tiny 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 criticisms um, the, the scene with the comedian and, um, uh, 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 Carla Gugino, the first Silk Spectre, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, assault, it goes on and on and on. It's not like a slap. And then he tries, <clears throat> yeah. he, he hits her several times uh, right against the pool tape head on the pool. I mean, he beats the shit out of her. Um, you don't really, even if you have, you get, it's implied in the book it's not something that needed to go further than than the start of it in the film. And then when Rorschach gets the, I think this is this is this is in the director's cut um, when when uh, the psychi- psychologist is going through his file and he's trying to tell the guy's life story. The first his first kill was a, a man who'd abducted a child, and uh, yeah, and 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 in the book it's a machete or a, a cleaver. And it cleaver comes down and you're out in the movie. Yeah. It's like multiple, m- multiple strikes in, in silhouette, you know, from the side. So I, I thought some of those choices were kind of 
um, it, like a, a little taking it a little too far. Very much. That's, like, that's what I that's that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. Okay. Is there's there's points where he lingers and you know just like he does the slow mos of certain characters and stuff. It's like I don't think you were supposed to um, have these incredible scenes of of Silk Spectre and Night Owl, you know, beating the. Cr- I don't think that's the point. You know, this glorified, bloody, incredible action scene. Bones I think this. Skin, yeah, blood, I think yeah. I think the point of that is this is getting them off. You yeah. know, yes, uh, and yes, yeah, and so I didn't really see a point because if you look at that sequence in the book, it's there's no sounds. It's just little little vignettes of them beating up these guys and then making out. Yeah. And um, I, I just I quite that's what I meant by tone. I just meant yeah. some of the stuff he I, he he said the loud part or the loud part quiet and the quiet part loud. Yeah, it's, and he's sort of yeah. you know, it's almost not it's not torture porn, but it's like it's like this is going to get off a certain you know element. I'm, this is really a serious. I'm not going to shy away from the violence kind of thing, but but it ends up being distracting. And I and I know this is the the one of the things no pun intended that everybody points to no pun intended when they criticize the film. Uh, Doctor Manhattan, uh, full frontal, uh, Starkers. That does that doesn't bother me at all. Doesn't bother me, but but as a choice, you go, yeah, have it, but don't linger, because if you linger, <laughs> it's all anyone, every, anybody's going to talk about, and it became such a thing that everybody talked about and everybody made jokes, but still do. It's still when they talk, oh CGI, if it's not as bad as Doctor Manhattan's uh, dong and it has been, you know, a ten. Year, Can we call it a tallywhacker? Ten year, ten year joke, and so from a creative standpoint, I'd go, he's in the background, he's he's walking this way, cut to something else, and by the time he gets here, you're already at the waist. And the reason, yeah, or they could do like that, you know, the Benny Hill gags where he keeps opening a garden gate, right? Stuff just keeps going past him, like like a trolley goes past. Him. He's got a big French baguette. Here's here's a skyscraper when he's big, and here's a baguette when he's going to lunch. But, you know, the reason Dr. Manhattan wears the the diaper thing, the, the black uh, thing, is because he he has no qualms, obviously, but it's because yeah. it makes other people uncomfortable. And, again, this is not me being a prude or something. It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with it, it became a distraction. And the first time you see him, you're in awe of, like, it's Dr. Manhattan. Oh, my God, I'm seeing him, you know, in the flesh, so to speak, for the first time. I got, And then it's like, you know, you get this thing in your face and in widescreen. So I always thought that was, that was another, another aspect of Snyder, very much like the violence going, yeah, I'm going full throttle. Like here it is right in your face. Nothing you can do about it. This is an R rated, R rated naked superhero movie. Just deal with it. You know what <laughs> it's your problem. What is your, what you, it's just a dong, man. That, that I think goes along with the, the violence where it's like, that's a very <laughs> randian kind of you know just just you know if you're gonna you know give blood play hockey you know one of those t-shirts or something so i i totally get in those in those little moments where it's like yeah that was a bit that was a bit much you could have you could have mm-hmm. implied that and watching it again recently 
there's plenty of stuff that isn't there. Like I say, the, the mask, you never understand what that mask is, what the cloth is. It just, no, they it, don't explain it. Yeah. They explain it. It's, it's, it's never explained. Um, they get to the meat of the conversations. There's very little fat in that, in that movie. I mean, it is, and I, you know, again, just like the first time that, you know, when the first X-Men came out or, you know, whatever, and people, well, it should have been, it could have, yeah, but you got it. you all got to have to always think about the people that are going into this thing that have no idea what it is. And if you went into Watchmen, as my then partner did at the time when we went to see it, had never read it, she didn't know what it was, I explained a little bit of what it was, she couldn't stop talking about it. Like, she just thought, oh my God weeks she'd be like i can't stop thinking about that story and just the and and she got it i mean there were moments where she you'd explain a few things after the fact because i knew the story so well but it is you know I'll, oh here's here's the other thing looking at the dvd and this is this was the good old days when a studio would put out a dvd in 2009 it was loaded with extras oh yeah like a documentary about the book itself and a documentary about the sets and another thing. And then all the, all the online uh, mini journals that they would put out before the movie came out. And those are each like 20 minutes long. Now you get a, a new movie. It's got, you know, and it's loaded with extras and you get the thing. And there's like <laughs> an interactive there's, menu. There's five extras and each one is about three minutes long. And then the end of that, that extra shows the logo of the film and saying available right now. And yeah, I know it's available on DVD <laughs> watching it right now. My, my favorite is the stills galleries. Well, no one ever goes through those, do no they? Does. Nobody does. Yeah. Nobody does the stills galleries and, yeah. and or trailers from other films. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. thanks. <laughs> I hated this one. Why are you showing me more? <laughs> but, but it's funny. It doesn't have the trailers on it. So I went to look them up. Uh, uh, this is like a week ago or so, there was an advance trailer that was very good. Um, it had a uh, Smashing Pumpkins song on it. I'm not a Smashing Pumpkins person. I never liked yeah, it. but they, they it was the Batman Forever, or was it Batman and Robin? It was a parody. Like, what, what it was was they took a Smashing Pumpkins song and they slowed it down. Oh. But that was that was the Batman and Robin or Batman Forever music. Okay, so then and that go. was kind of like a, a a middle finger to comic book movies, which I liked. I liked that a lot. Okay, it's like I say, that first one is a good trailer. The regular trailer, I would advise everyone when you're done listening to this, go and look up the regular trailer for Watchmen on YouTube. It is one of the best trailers of the last twenty years. It is so. If you and again going to it, thinking of people that know that are excited for it but also someone that's looking at this that has no idea what this story is who these characters are it sells it it so sells it and then the midway point there's a, a song start uh, by me it's off of um it's the first track on black holes and revelations and it's got this you know this keyboard's like almost kind of like pink floyd and from that moment you know the words are coming at you like you know from the most celebrated graphic novel of all time. Da, 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 da. And then it ends with Rorschach, you know, then they'll, you know, then I'll look, I'll look back down and whisper, no. And then his face, yeah. you get, you get a shot of his face and the mask changes. And I remember people just screaming in the theater when they saw that trailer. Um, it is an incredibly effective 
trailer. And that's when I, you know, prior to it coming out, that's when I went, oh my God, this is, this is going to be much better than I could have hoped that it was, that it was going to be. So I think I saw it in the theater. I think I might've seen it like four times in the theater. Um, really? I saw, yeah. I saw it once, but, um, 2009, um, my kids were really young. Um, and I'm pretty sure that, um, I'm pretty sure my, um, you know, going to the movies was a rare occasion. So I just snuck out by myself. Right. I think I went to like the nine o'clock show. So I got home at like one in the morning. <laughs> your, your wife's like going to get milk. You're like, I'll be back. I'll be right back. She's going to get some milk. No, she, she, she was like, well, this yeah. was not a sitter moment. She was like, no, just go, you know. Um, I think I saw uh, it the second time was because my then partner wanted to see it again. And so we hmm. went and then I went with a buddy who hadn't seen it. And then I think I saw it again on my own. Um, so I just ate it up, you know, and then that's when we started to get some merchandise we got because, oh, we're missing a bit here um, for the 10th anniversary. So 96, 97 or whatever it was, DC Direct was going to the action figure. Yes. Yeah, they were in Toy Fair. They're DC Direct. Yeah, I remember those. Yes. And a guy named Tim Bruckner, who was. Uh, the first guy that we reached out to to do the sculpts for our first figures, but that is a very long story. He's a nice enough guy, we, but that's a really long story. But Bruckner was a, re- was a recommendation from Alex because he had done a lot of the Kingdom Come stuff for Alex's uh, Kingdom Come action figure line. Um, he sculpted those, and they're beautiful. It was going to be Dr. Manhattan, Silk Spectre, and, and uh, the comedian. And they get solicited, but then Alan Moore comes along and says, I'm not signing off on this. Yeah. They, they owe me some royalties or something. And until we get that, and the book has never gone out of print. The, well, that, that's, that's the, that's the sticking point is he was supposed to own the characters. Yeah. If the book went out of print and well, uh, you know, that would only work if it wasn't successful. And, uh, you know, that was very naive of him, but I understand. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I look at it as filmmaking, too, or like you're I mean, I sad to say, like design or anything, you know, you know, you you don't you don't you want to keep working. You want things to be successful so you can keep working. But it's other people's money and budget, everything else that you're you're coming into play in. And the trade off usually isn't he he would be no different than most of the the British invasion from the 60s. People that, you know, signed contracts that didn't didn't get um so that yeah that was it it's it the book has never gone out of print and it and and you know few, all these generations going to it and people keep recommending it and so you know, yeah you know, i mean away. um i'm of, of two minds on it um but yeah that's that's a sticking point and i understand that and that that you know that combined with um some legal troubles uh i believe in the adaptation of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which was very scarring for him to be accused of stealing something that, you know, he didn't even write as a film, as a screenplay, uh, were scarring to him, <clears throat> and they they jaded him. Yeah. And <clears throat> to his to his credit, um, he's he's a man of his principles because he's turned down dump trucks of money. You know, well, that's he's part, that's, yeah, that's part. crazy. That's the part that really sticks with me, though, where it's like he is he has been left leaning his whole life. He is very <laughs> about the community of Northampton and, and it's, you know, trying to 
rebuild, you know, put energy into it and, you know, get industry back. But it's so, you know, it's even to this day, it's not the town that it used to be, blah, blah, blah. It started with him saying, uh, you know, uh, uh, put my, you know, like, do you, I'm not going to be involved with this, but you can do the thing and I don't want to know. And then it became, you know what, this next thing, don't even put my name on it. So people don't even know I did it. Don't even put my name on it. Uh, but I'll take the money. And then it became, take, don't put my name on it. And I don't want the money either. And that's where I go, really, dude, take their money. Put it forward. Or put towards some community thing, like you know, use them uh, somehow. That that part I've always kind of you know. Dis- yeah, make make some good with the money. I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that always kind of this kind that always kind of bums me out. But he's you know he is what he is. But somehow the movie gets made, and then we get merchandise. We merchandise, get- yeah. Is- did, did you want to just briefly talk about the? Um, the David Hayter um, yeah, test, okay. test footage, because um, I, d- I didn't want to gloss over that, where we've got um, two different actors doing um, Dryberg and uh, Rorschach. Yeah. Uh, but one of the guys is from Game of Thrones, and I forget who's in the, um, the Rorschach. I think it's the guy who played the Punisher. Um Tom Jane? Thomas Jane? Not Thomas Jane, the second Punisher. Um, Ray, Ray, um, Steve? Ray Stevenson, yeah, yeah, that's it. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, Ian Glenn, who ended up playing Batman on the Titans show. That's right. Um, And I I loved his character on uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, Those two. uh, It was pretty decent. It looked like that could have been a decent film as well, because the tone's right. Well, and also David Hayter um, uh, co-wrote the, the screenplay, and he was, um, you know, he I think he's co-screenwriter of X Men One and and X Two. Um, he's done mostly television since, but I think man, that's three for three. Mm-hmm. Think, and he, I think he's an actor, or maybe he started as an actor. Now he does produces TV as well. But like, those are three solid outings. You know, Sam Hamm doesn't even have three solid outings for for scripts. Um, so um, but it's funny because it's just one of those things that I don't think people think about, like his name being attached to three. It's a different world in, you know, 2000 to 2008, 2009, those things, you know, getting made. Um, but uh, well, yeah, the difference is Marvel. Um yeah. Game changed the whole thing. Uh, when you look at superhero movies from the early 2000s, they're they're kind of all over the place. Yes, and it's it's there's no, they're not unified, you know. Yeah, you um, got Catwoman, uh, God, you just, <laughs> the greatest film ever made. You can't help yourself, can you? Like you gotta no every, every no. two episodes, you gotta. I think you've got stake in it. Did you get a points for that? Did you get a few? Points? Someday it'll break even. Fucking hell! But it but it so. <laughs> So we get DC Direct does a line of you get buttons and T-shirts and and notebooks and journals and uh, posters and uh, a line of action figures that have very limited articulation but they're they're good sculpts they're decent they made a, uh, a document several different Doctor Manhattan's two different Rorschachs one without the mask uh, when he gets arrested um, uh, two different comedians uh, young comedian and uh, because uh, everyone loves the young comedian's outfit. Everybody <laughs> loves that bastard. 
um, uh, Silk Spectre, both Silk Spectres, uh, Young Night Owl, Night Owl, and I think that's it. Oh, and one of my favorite things that I have out on Blu-ray, uh, Amazon did an exclusive. Amazon did an exclusive set, which is the Owl Ship, and on a, it comes on a base that's got like uh, water or smoke kind of coming up where you you click it on there, and underneath the base is where the DVDs are. But the Owl Ship is like a toy and you press these two buttons or this button on top of it the two lights the, the windows light up and it makes a a flying sound which is very freaking cool i never ever thought we'd get an, an archimedes owl ship um it's weird to have any of it i remember you know there was a rorschach doll at toys r us like a 12 inch doll and it, yes. it looked really nice but i was like wow i can't believe this exists um, yeah. because it, you know, it almost, how do I put this? It almost seems like it shouldn't because that was the point of the movie. You know, that the Ozymandias is making merchandise and, you know, it's just a, it's just an interesting. I mean, um, that meta right there like that. Yeah. The, yeah, completely. I mean, they did, they did 12 inch fingers of Dr. Manhattan, the comedian and Rorschach. Um, I think there might've been a silk specter that was done by a Japanese company. Not, but not DC Direct. I could be wrong about that, but I, I seem to recall that. Um, the Rorschach. What do, you, what do you think of the casting of the film in that regard? I think the casting because, is outstanding. I think it's. Yeah. I, I think um, Patrick Wilson has never stopped working from the time he showed up and the first thing he did. He's yeah. so good and he's so good looking. Um, but well, that he, was that was one of my quibbles. Was you know, <clears throat> Dryberg's supposed to be chubby and overweight. You know, you're like schlubby, and they, they the best they could do was try to make him look like Clark Griswold. Well, that's the in thing. The movie. Like, I mean, who are you going to get? That's um, you know, it's tricky because he was a name in the sense that it, it meant quality. He'd already you know been in some you know award nominated things, and I think uh, Angels in America had already come out and. Um, so, you know, I don't know who that would have been. Like, who are you going to get? Like, uh, Adrian Brody to, 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 to be drunk? True, true. Yeah, no, please don't. So, um, so it's, it's, it's a tricky... It's tricky. Um, and I think he did a great job. I think his night owl well, is... Um, what's that? I'm glad they didn't do, like, you know, a, a, a different nose, like prosthetics on the face and made no, it a little... Need, well, speaking of that, though, can we just talk about the worst nixon in a movie ever um i'm glad you i'm glad you brought this up because i have a theory about some of this stuff but go go ahead okay that thing is the love child of the kid catcher from chitty chitty bang bang with the judge from nothing but trouble like it's it's off-putting but it's um weird about it is it's not just the prosthetics it's the it's the voice. To, it's the way he's he sounds like he's he's got a mouthpiece in. He sounds like he's wearing you know. <clears throat> you can almost hear um, when he speaks the 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 air coming out of his mouth hitting the rubber on the mask almost or on the prosthetic. It's, just a, <laughs> it's really a strange choice because I think some of it when you think about some of the stuff that that Moore puts in there, some of the humor. Some of the kind of asides that are darkly humorous or um, the obvious things, the big thing, you know, like the I, I think some of his stuff is broad. Some of his stuff is almost, you know, uh, Commedia dell'arte kind of stuff. Um, and I, I always wondered if maybe some of the 
the bigger type things that are more obvious in the film was kind of addressing that. Like, you know, this is obviously, we're, you know, we're just getting someone that looks, I mean, Kissinger too. Like he's kind of cartoony. He looks better than Nixon, but he's sort of, he's sort of cartoony. Or, you know, even like the, there's a shot when you're going through the, and the opening credits. You've got to Fantastic. Unbelievable opening credits. Yeah. Um, but the, there's a shot of uh, Ozymandias, um, and Matthew Good is someone, the first thing I saw him in was a Woody Allen movie called Match Point, which is a fantastic movie. It is it is very Hitchcock. Um, that's the first thing I ever saw him in, and then I would just find him in things, because he was so naturally convincing in this part that he had. Um, so I was happy with him, because he's he's handsome, and he's got the cheekbones, and he's, you know... And he's I, I liked him because I'd never seen him in anything before. Yeah. So he just became the character to me. A lot of the, yeah. you know, um, I, I I love the girl playing Silk Spectre. She's yeah. uh, she's too beautiful for the role, but that doesn't really matter to me. You know, looks, I know, but she just she looks every scene, however they shot, even the dinner scene with the two of them, she is really stunning in the in that. Mm. But um, but but Matthew Good, from my understanding, is playing it a a little bit like Bowie. He's not doing a Bowie accent. But he's kind of playing it a little sort of he is above this world kind of than having these con- these normal sort of conversations. He's just on a different sort of level. So there's a shot in the opening credits where you push in on him outside of Studio 54. Over is obviously David Bowie and Mick Jagger. Yeah. But Bowie is literally dressed like Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> he's dressed. He's dressed yeah. like he just got back from the BBC and shot. You know, uh, did a song on top of the pops. You know, jumpsuit with a star. It's it's over the top. It's over the top. You know that's Bowie. You're supposed to be Bowie, but yeah. it's it's ridiculous to think that he'd go to he you know be walking around in a spaceman outfit to go to you know. See. So I feel like there's these moments in it that are kind of. Um, obvious, sort of. Even some of the wigs, like some of the, the reporter that interviews Ozymandias. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's like they just stuck a mustache on him before he could put his coat on and slap. Is that the one who, who who does the gotcha with Doctor uh, Manhattan? Yeah, okay, that's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah. The gotcha with 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 Joni or Jeannie, whatever her name is. Yeah, yeah. When she comes out, like I told you, I love you. I said I'd do anything, and then pulling off the that's a big soap opera, you know, middle of the day soap opera type moment in the book. It's, yeah. it, it's over the top and they treat it over the top in, in the scene as well. I feel like there's, there's times where he's, he's faithful, but he's also going, it does get kind of broad too in moments. There are, there are mm-hmm. times of intimacy and then there's broad stuff. I just it. wonder where they got a Donald Sutherland impersonator. Um, <laughs> For that scene. <laughs> well, he does. He kind of you go, know, but I, you know, like when you see the photographer <clears throat> and he's being interviewed, it's clearly riffing on Annie Leibovitz. That's who she's supposed to look like. So I, when I see it, I go, is this guy supposed to be somebody? Is it supposed to be like he looks like Kurt Vonnegut? He looks yeah, like Kurt Vonnegut. I get that too. Yeah. You know, but what are you, what are you kind of riffing on? Um, I think Crudup is fantastic. I mean, he just. Uh, he's great in his scenes as, uh, uh, you know, like when he, before he turns, you know, um, but just his sort of the balance in his voice and the calmness and everything is just so. And then when you kind of get to the climax, when when he decides to help, 
when he understands what her history is, her past and everything, some emotion comes in or when he yells, you know, leave me alone kind of thing. Like, I think he's I think he's great. Rorschach steals it, obviously. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is someone that um, I like him great in it. And I like a lot of stuff that he's done. I, I can't do uh, Walking Dead after that first season with him. Um, but he's kind of big and broad. You know, like, yeah, he's over the top, but you know, um, <clears throat> he, he gets the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that character was supposed to be kind of um, a bit over the top, you know. Um, Just the the, and, the the thing with the in the, in the bar with the pregnant woman in Vietnam yeah. when he, when he jumps off the plane and Dryberg's going, "What happened? We were supposed to help," you know, and yeah. every line. Is like a line reading rather than him really putting a lot into it. Uh, Morgan kind of he keeps it very kind of one dimensional. Uh, but but you know who's freaking great in it too is Matt Frewer. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna. I hope I was hoping you'd get there because I, oh. I love Matt Frewer, and it's um, a tiny role. Yep. And he just nails it. And um, uh, boy, your Canadian uh, fellow that I like so much. Um, he plays the older night owl. Uh, what's his name? Oh, come on. Canadian. He's a legend. He's a legend. He's married. You know what? He was in. Remember that movie I kept telling you to watch called uh, uh, Pontypool? Oh, 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 oh. I know what you're talking about. Stephen um, something. Stephen something. Just yeah. these amazing t- weird features in his nose. Stephen McCaddy. Yeah. Stephen yeah, McCaddy. Yeah. Freaking great in everything he's in. He does a great job. Um, so I was cool with the with the casting. Yeah, he was he was amazing on uh, on Orphan Black, um, yeah. which stars uh, Tatiana Masli, who's She Hulk. I, for the record, liked the show. Um, I think. <clears> and the, so, and Matt Frewer was, was the villain on Orphan Black. I think She Hulk is fine. Um, yeah. I just can't decide if it's a full on sitcom. And if it's a sitcom, it's a sitcom I probably wouldn't watch other than wanting to see this marvel character and i don't know much about her i didn't read the book so but i'm going with it i'm i thought the one with wong and uh the magician guy doing the magician in the courthouse was, was fun i thought that i was, thought that was great yeah was i i'm i don't know what people expect from she hulk but um i i was expecting it to be kind of a romp like the 80s comic was you know um I was actually expecting more of a romp. Let's put it that way. That's a good way to put it. I thought it was going to sort of swing for the fences, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think my, my issue with it was that it um, it doesn't go far enough. It mm. could go sillier. Um, I don't think that would stop the hate because I don't like I just read some stuff and I'm like, well, what were, what were you thinking it was going to be like? You just want monster fighting? I saw you know, a day that had a video that was literally Andor had premiered on a Wednesday. This guy must yeah. put the video up. This guy must put the video up Wednesday night, and it literally said it had him on. It's his face. He's got a little goatee, George Lucasy kind of black hair up, glasses, and the title is um, "Fail." I, I don't like Andor. Dot dot dot, and why I'm done with Star Wars. <laughs> And, and, <laughs> Until next week. And done is in capital letters. And I kid you not, I couldn't help myself but to click on it. And as I'm listening to him, he goes, you know, it's always that preamble of like, now look, I need to clarify. This and that's how you know that's that's the whole thing. Thing bad. 
Um, yes. yes. And, uh, and unfortunately, it works. Um, we've got to change. We've got to change our show. The best part <laughs> of it is, and that is why, yeah, I am done with Star Wars for the foreseeable future, at least. Yeah, 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 yeah. Until like, the next wave done of with Star, Star Wars, Wars black figures comes out. Yeah, like, you are never going to be done with Star Wars. Give me so even things that are like. I, you know, I went to the screening of Andor like the, the last Friday. There was like a three. Uh, they showed all three of the episodes at, at Disney, and um, I, you know, I'm, I'm biased because I love Tony Gilroy's writing, and and I I thought it was great. I'm like, okay, this is more my. This is, I want to see some characters that you just the, the, everybody. But those I feel like those those negative the She-Hulk people, the, the you know the same people that criticize. I don't know those. I don't know. I, I don't talk to people that that have those kinds of feelings, and I I, I wonder sometimes if they're a five percent of this base that just has the biggest megaphone that's screaming about this stuff because yeah, it's because it sells, it's it people that click and everything, or really if like you know thirty percent, forty percent of the Marvel and Star Wars whatever audience just they just despise all this because it. None of it's failing, you know. None, it's all making money. Not, yeah. So I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's also, you know, I, I think to a lot of these folks, it's healthy to take a break from things. Um, yeah. I am currently not watching Doctor Who, but that's okay because I might again soon. And you stopped listening to Christopher Cross. Uh, last uh, that's not true. You that's impossible. I got to walk away. I'm get, I'm getting too close. Well, he's he's been living here for a little while. I'm caring too much about Cross's third rap, third album. Um, yeah, it is good, but they're never going to walk away. They're never going to leave it alone. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not everything has to be for me, um, and right. that's okay. Exactly. It, as long as, but look at the vol- look at the bulk, the volume of stuff we're getting. It's like I'll find something to dig, you know, and just as long as I'm getting fantasy and sci-fi and you know spy things or whatever like bring it on I'll, I'll see it all i don't have to love it all but i'm yeah. grateful that we we have it so the movie comes out the movie does well the movie does well it, is not a it didn't do super well though it didn't do super well but again it's a three-hour movie yeah it's a, it's a beast you, uh, it, it's it's yeah you, it's, it's it's a lot it's a, a three-hour r-rated hard r rated yeah. you you can't get a huge percentage of the, like i'm saying that Somebody else could have grabbed this thing, and I guarantee they would have made a 90-minute to two-hour PG-13 film. And even if, you know, it was tonally different and whatever, it would have done much better. It was an expensive movie. They really sprung for this thing. Yeah. Uh, but it, it And it shows on the screen. It completely shows. I think <clears throat> it would have done better if it had more screenings each day and it wasn't R-rated. Which, But I think it's one of those things that also probably had um, – you know, like uh, what was it? The the I was watching a documentary about cult films, and uh, the, the, was it uh, Hedwig and the Angry Itch? Mm-hmm. And the director said the um, the film studio said you know it didn't do all that great in the theaters, mm-hmm. but the the studio put a lot into the DVD and told the director it's going to have a long life. And I think Watchmen is one of those films that has a long life. People buy it, you know. In fact, I think it was right where the turn, because the turn to me was about 2005 or so when people were starting to understand that, you know, uh, you know, Big Lebowski didn't do that great, you know, when it came out. But given a few years and all 
sudden it's turning and also where the studios were going we're going to do pretty good with this movie we're going to do even better when it hits because dvd was you know and still is an ongoing thing people i think tend to not because you don't see it commercially out at stores much it is a constantly growing uh industry dvd and blu-ray is is huge the market's huge like there's yeah. actually so much stuff um yeah, so I think, and I think it did very well. I saw a little thing on Bone Tomahawk the other day. Did you see Bone Tomahawk? I've been meaning to. Is okay, that, gonna, that, yeah, that, I think I know what that is. Um, S. Craig, S. Craig Zeller, or Zeiler, I think, did it. Um, he got Kurt Russell. He got <laughs> Jenkins. He got whatever. He got to direct it because he, he kept putting his foot down. I love, and he kept having to take concessions for it. Um, I think it was $1.2 million budget. They shot this thing in 21 days. That's my understanding. They shot this Western with all those people and the availability lined up because people had to drop out because it took years to get the financing, get it going. Um, and it 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 didn't it just went poof when it came out. But the DVD sales were like over four million for this thing. It took on another life uh, on DVD. So I think you're absolutely right. I think Warner Brothers went, even if we do OK with this, we're going to do really well with the ancillary stuff. And I think that's why that then you get the director's cut and then you get, you know, so I have, I have the, the only version, the only thing I have, I think that has the original version on it is a box set that came out that has the graphic novel with it and, and the movie, I think, or something else. There also was uh, Best Buy had two different face, uh, you know, case DVDs. They had a Rorschach. It came in a clear box and you had Rorschach flip it open like a, a makeup compact. Uh-huh. So they did a Rorschach, they did a Dr. Manhattan. Um, then you get the director's cut that came out. You had the Blu-ray one that has the, the owl ship. Then, you know, six months after the director's cut came out, I think we got the ultimate cut where it's the director's cut and he edited in the Tales from the Black Freighter in there as well. Uh, Tales from the Black Freighter and uh, Under the Hood uh, came out as a separate DVD prior to the film. But there was also, like a year before the movie, there was the motion comic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like watched some of that. Three hours long. So they really were, they really got behind this thing. So anyway, so now we get that, we do the movie. Then the next thing I think that happens is, is Maddie Collector does the Watchmen figures. Oh, I and forgot about those. Yeah. They come in a box. And when you line the boxes up, it says, who watches the Watchmen on your shelf? Like, I don't know who would do that. If you're a nerd, then you would do that. That's what it says. Like, I'm just kidding. They're right over here. That's one of the things about the film I don't like is that they're called the Watchmen when they never were in the film or in the book. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, which I totally understand. And I also completely understand the change of the ending. It makes perfect sense. I'm completely on board with it. it I, I was, too, because it's a three hour film. You can't. You just you would never have enough time to explain yeah plan or where this thing came from etc so um, oh and i should also say i've done a video on it for plastic soul and of course everyone as i know that's listening has subscribed to plastic soul uh the if they haven't we're oh. gonna scold you if you haven't you should do it now it's no no time like the present i did a video about um stuff that i've got collectibles from watching they did some promotional stuff that never made it out commercially. One was a pair of owl, uh, 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 night owl sunglasses that came in a plastic case shaped like the owl ship, um, which I don't have. It was like a con you'd enter a contest. They did a, a, a white hoodie that you could zip all the way up and it would make your face look like, like Rorschach came in a box. They did uh, blue condoms 
for Watchmen. They were promotional uh, condoms. Ha ha ha. Um, they did a little owl ship keychain, which I have, that uh, you press the little button on the on the head and it it does white light out the eyes. Press the other little side of the button and it gives you the Watchmen logo in yellow on the uh, on the wall and a watch, a flip up face watch. That has uh, it's it, the face of it looks like the owl ship, and on the right side is the clock, and on the left side there's another little uh, little uh, clock that's that's always five minutes to Doomsday, always five minutes to midnight. Oh, that's not fun. Those are cool. Um, so now we get the Maddie Collector stuff. Of course, I got all that. And then, when did you first kind of hear that that we were getting this series, the HBO series? Well, I think the comic book came first right like they dc um started oh, to yeah. and the before watchman stuff the before yeah. watchman stuff and i'm i'm not a fan of it um i mean i've heard mixed reviews some stuff's good some stuff's bad i just didn't think that i thought it should just rest but you know dc needs to keep these you know their corporation and they got some talented people, but I didn't. I didn't follow that. I didn't um, go for that, and I was highly skeptical of the HBO series too. I thought, oh no, they're the dragon, this corpse, you know. Yeah. Well, let's hold. Let's go to the comics. I completely forgot about those comics. I, I didn't read them, so um, I, I read one. I read. I started to read one of them, and I kind of gave up. And so yeah. in the since, I've managed to find all the trades. Uh, like at Amoeba, when I go to Amoeba, it's like eight bucks. So I'm like, okay, I can do it. So I've now read the 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 comedian one, the Silk Spectre one. I'm, I'm reading the Doctor Manhattan one. I read the Rorschach one, the Night Owl one, I think. So there's one one or one and a half left, kind of. And the, you know, they're fine, but it's like there's nothing. You can't you can't help but just compare to what's come uh, prior. Then there was one called Doomsday Clock. Yeah, I bought the first issue of that uh, and forgot all about it. Um, Before Watchmen was bad. Yeah, well, didn't Doomsday Clock take forever to do? It took forever to do, written by Jeff Johns, uh, mixing other DC characters with the Watchmen characters. It was just, I don't even remember it. It was so, I I can't even, I won't even get into it. So, but it was, but that happened. But I will say this, (laughs) there's a, there's a Rorschach miniseries. And I think it's post the show, maybe? It is post the show. I would recommend the Rorschach mini, just called Rorschach. Um, it was like anything that is the closest in tone and art direction to the original book of any of that stuff. It's actually yeah. quite if you'd ever check that out. But um, yeah, I don't remember when I first heard about the show, but I was, I'm was i with you. I just went, this can't be a good idea. Like, what is this? And then, well, originally I thought, are they going to just redo the book? Because I'm down with that. Um, right. Seeing a more faithful adaptation of the book would, you know, in a long. Uh, but no, then I found out no, it's it has it has it's it's 30 years later, and I thought, okay, and I, I gave it a watch, and um, I have to tell you that I think it is a worthy successor. I. I couldn't agree more. I actually, I remember them being cagey about it because when Lindelhoff would get asked, it would be like, yeah, is it a, is it a remake? Is it a thing? And they kind of, they give these vague answers. I didn't have a lot of faith in Lindelof either. Keep it within the universe of blah, blah, blah. Well, that's the thing. Lindelof 
you know, my association is, is with Lost and the stuff that we tried to do because he wanted us to, because he loved Dexter and that's how we got that license and all that. And my understanding was, you know, there was no, there's no follow through. There was never like a follow through with anything that he, that I'd seen that he, that he'd done. So I was skeptical of that too. Um, but from the first episode on, I was just like, whoa, you know, what is, what's going, I mean, cause it is, you don't know what's going on. The first two or three episodes, no idea what's going on. And, um, and then having seen it all, you know, front to back, it's, um, I think it's incredible. I think it's actually a very worthy successor um, uh, and and loaded with Easter eggs, just loaded with, you know, uh, there's one there's one where uh, Looking Glass, uh, Tim Blake Nelson mm-hmm. is at a support group uh, for people that clearly have anxiety about the squids or that were there on the day that it happened in 85. And, you know, they're still having flashbacks and, you know, uh, all this stuff. And a woman comes in and. He turns around and says, friend of Nemo's, you know, like like an AA meeting. You know, I'm a, I'm a friend of Bill's um, and little things like that, that it's just kind of peppered with. And then um, they start they go out for a beer after and she's talking about a movie called Pale Horse. Yeah, and right. He's, I didn't see it. Like, oh, Steven Spielberg, Pale Horse. Da, da, da. Well, Pale Horse was the band mm-hmm. you keep seeing posters of. It. So it's just filled with stuff like that and i and i love that and well what i like about it too is it is the it is not the movie universe this is the comic well i would say i would i would say it is the comic but there are definite nods to to the film and i I, off the top of my head I, i can't think of anything right now but i remember talking to alex about this where like there were these three or four little little winks to the audience that i'm like that's not that, that's that's a film reference. Like that's a little something that's saying they're they're both we're in the same kind of universe. We're just you know we're, we're telling it slightly differently, kind of. But yes, it is mostly a a sequel to you know that the giant squid, the giant squid version uh, of of events. Um, what did you think about the wrap up? What did you think about when you, when you get to the end? Did you think it was it was it's it satisfied are you satisfied by the end yeah i mean um i'm just trying to remember it because I, I only watched it once and it was a lot because it really does take um certain things out of the book you know like the identity of hooded justice yeah and um do some really interesting things with it. And um, the thing I like best about it is, and I know a lot of people, you know, I, I read some people that were you know, upset about the politics of it and that sort of thing, but I think it should upset you. Yeah. I think it should challenge you because the original upset you and challenged you. You're just used to it now. Um, so I, I kind of liked what he did there and I can't believe how well it was done. Um the ending was the ending was a little you know um rushed i guess but it it works it all works and um i really respected that lindelof's like no we're done we're not doing another one so that's it you know i want more 
I selfishly. Oh, I do too, but that's okay. We can want more. Um, That's, you know, that's the point, I guess. I think it got like, I want to say 11 or 12, like Emmy nominations. It it was the record that year for number of nominations. I think there were several uh, that it won. I think, I think it won like four or five, but it was, it was the best reviewed show of the year. Like it just, people were hooked to this thing. And, um, and again, you're thinking in terms of, did you, did you need, did, did you ever feel like someone could sit down and watch this having never read the book or seen the film? I would, I think that would be a challenge. My, my I don't think my wife liked it. My son and I liked it. Okay. Uh, which was odd because I thought she would really be into she she's usually into these kind of shows. Um, it's tough. It's it's tough for me. I I was hooked, and I'm a very rare guy to get hooked on a show. I'm kind of like a commitment weirdo, and um, but I was really I really needed to know how these pieces fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was just so many good um performances in the show oh uh, gene smart is oh. so good in it uh regina king is great and um i loved tim i loved i loved tim blake nelson's character i think yep. he was probably my favorite character yeah uh almost like the opposite of rorschach yes and and uh jeremy irons is so fun in this so and his fun. whole his whole story you know, you, you're spending like, you know, eight episodes trying to figure out, like, what the hell is he doing and where is he? <laughs> you know, like, what, what, what is going on? Yeah. And, you know, I didn't totally figure it out until they told me. Exactly. And um, uh, and the other thing I really liked was um, the Rorschach, the idea that Rorschach was now um, a symbol for these guys, these, you know, yeah. these, 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 um, and, that, that was fantastic. And a lot of people had a problem with that. See, it goes back to what you said earlier. A lot of people thought that, you know, you're, you're already taking this beloved character in a way and you're turning it into something else now. And I don't like that you've done that to the character sort of thing, but it makes sense. That's what would happen. It happens in real life. It happens. And in fact, you know, I, I, this is what got this whole thing kicked off was I get to these states of mind where I just kind of go, I need to watch something and not really think about it. I just want to be immersed and not think about the world right now. And I went back to watch the Watchmen series. So I got about halfway through and I thought, I'm going to watch the movie again. I might even read the book again. And that's how we are talking about it now. But, yeah. um, but it's it um, watching it again. Holy shit. I mean, in this country, at least <laughs> in light of recent events, um, it is it is even more uh, prescient, if you will, like the things that are going on and the the possibility. And the thing is, is it's also not um, it's not biased to one political side. No, um, there, there's serious problems with the um, Redford presidency. Well, there's, you there's know, a, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I just I mean, like there, it's critical. You know, it's it's a real world. In that in that regard, it's not our world. Well, but it, it, that's what I think is one of the most incredible things that it does, it, it, you know, to honor the original material. <clears throat> By the time you get to the end of the original story, you you know who the villain is, but at the same time you're going, 
yeah, but no. Did it save billions of people? And what what would the alternative have been? Yeah, it's very it's very cloudy what the morality is when you get to the end of that story. And I think they did a really good job in um, you know little things like you know uh, you know Vietnam you know the, the making that part I think that was like part of the United States or something like yeah yeah parallel weird things in the book Nixon's third term or whatever they they expound expanded on that with the uh with the with the show the squids and you know just just all that stuff um but man when you get into the home stretch of those last couple of episodes and everything starts to get you you go backwards and you see what a beautiful puzzle it is and how it clearly was mapped out from the first because because again watching it again there are even lines of dialogue that you're like oh that was some foreshadowing and that was that you know she knows what she knows but they don't know what she just said and i know what she's referring to and um really really beautifully uh put together the music is fantastic too the yeah music by uh is it trent Reznor and somebody trent Reznor and Atticus, Atticus ross yeah it's amazing just this moody and don johnson like if anything i wanted more <clears throat> on johnson in it because he's he's perfect he's just perfect in every Every well, what it was Don Johnson's like career now? He's just playing racists. Um, yeah, <laughs> like he's, well, a, he's a Django Unchained. Django. <laughs> yeah. But I love that. I love that Tarantino goes. You know, it's easy to make a joke of Miami Vice. It's easy to think about the the pastel <clears throat> colors and the espadrilles and the you know the the eighties hits and everything. First couple seasons of Miami Vice is a stunning, stunning show. <laughs> It's hmm. doing things on network television that hadn't been done. Um, and guys like Tarantino go, no, he's really good. Like he really, you know, he's he's the focal point of the, the cop show and he's really good in it. He's who was this guy? Nobody knew really who he was. He'd been around. But, you know, I, I believe actually I read Mickey Rourke was considered for the Sonny Crockett part in 84, but he turned it down which is another insane alternate universe. Like what would, what would that universe have, have been like? So I kind of love that he's, he's got these, you know, he's showing up in knives out and, you know, Tarantino wants him. He did, an, he did, he actually is in another movie done by the same guy who wrote and directed um, uh, bone Tomahawk. He's in a, hmm. a movie with uh, Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. And uh, there really, there really isn't a bad performance in the show. I really enjoy it. Um, I like all the little characters. Like I like Red Menace and um, that that whole notion of cops have to be superheroes and wear masks. It's it's bizarre, but it kind of works for the it works for the film. And um, yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of of that series, and I can't believe I am. I was really expecting to hate it, and I was. I was in, and the beautiful thing is, it did not let me down. It left me wanting more, and I like that a lot too. And my, and if I, I my only, if there's a disappointment, it would be we didn't get Dan Dryberg. We didn't get he's yeah, he's in prison. And then, but you know what? There's some neat, just like the Watchmen itself. The the HBO website had all kinds of neat little Easter eggs and tidbits, and there's a beautiful. Um, when Dryberg and um, I guess you know uh, she didn't call herself Silk Spectre. I think she became like the comedian after. Yeah, Lori. Um, yeah, yeah, she. There's a great interview with the two of them, or with her, and uh, 
it's you read it and you're like, yeah, we, we were funding our um, you, we were funding our our missions with selling tech, and didn't you notice that those your police cruisers look like owl ships now and um, just all this like little little layers in the because I would go to the HBO site and look at all that stuff too. Oh, and it was like this is fun, you know. Uh, reading the transcripts of of her that was the one I that sticks in my mind. There was other stuff, but okay, yeah, there was a transcript of her being, when she got arrested by the FBI, and it was like, oh. oh my God, there's a whole, you know, they're they're catching you up on what they're doing. Oh and, wow, I didn't hear that. I yeah. Didn't know- Oh my God! Now I got to dig for this stuff. But I—that's one thing I thought that we could go. We, that we as the audience, could go to is you know if you did another season of it, we could get Dryberg and we could. But I think it told its story and it was done, you know. Um, and it would, yeah. I don't have anything bad to say about it. Um, well, it does. It other does. than I never figured out who the guy was who sprayed himself with grease and slid into the sewers. I suspect. It was uh, Gene Smart's assistant. Do you think but, it was? Yeah. I forget she sleeps with him. Yeah, I forgot that. I forget she knocks on his door one night. She pulls out that, here we go, another joke. She pulls out the Dr. Manhattan equipment in her in her hotel room, and that's a that's a total reference to the movie. That that bit of kit that she has in her her hotel room is a total reference to the the Snyder film. Um, but people did think that that was a fan theory that that was he he was the guy. But it's just so bizarre when he shows up and and hey, what are you doing? You know, Mother Knight's like yelling at him and chasing him, and then just the way he disappears is just. And then she asks uh, Looking Glass about him, like you know, a guy that sprays himself with gasoline. <laughs> it just it's so weird. It's got a weirdness to it too. That <laughs> you know, and little homages like the the newsstand and uh, you know the the. You the know, squid rains. Um, the moon. You know, he lives on. The, well, he lives. You never know. He lives on the moon. You know, the moon shot from the beginning of of the credits of Watchmen. That's you know, he's on the moon with you know Buzz Aldrin or whoever, and just these little things that are really. It's loaded with with great. Lo- I mean, the the pills are called nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Just shit like that. They really did their homework, and um, it, it's it's an extraordinary piece of television because um, I. But I think whereas the film. You can go into it never having read the book. I do think that. I think if you kind of knew what this thing was and you went into it, I don't think you can start the show without having some background in the story, in the movie or the book. I think you'd be a little a little confused. Uh, yeah, I don't think it would make a, a whole heck of a lot of sense. You might still enjoy it, but yeah, it, it's definitely got its, you know, you, you need to you need to be briefed at least. Yeah. I yeah. think you could get by if you'd seen the film. Yeah, if you'd seen the film, I think you'd be okay with the show. But if you haven't seen the film, if you haven't read the book, if you barely know what Watchmen is, I think you're going to be a little, you know, you'd probably be entertained to a degree, but you have no, all the things they're referencing that, that you have no no knowledge of, you know, um, I think would be a little a little confusing. They don't really even say who Dr. Manhattan is or who he was or what his powers are. Everyone just knows who he is. Yeah. Right there, you're going to be kind of lost if you don't have it. And I liked the depiction of Dr. Manhattan in this film. It was different, you know, uh, but it worked for me. And I didn't see that coming either. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it um, it was interesting. 
I'm glad you like it. The one thing that I I cannot figure out what it's what the point is or what it's saying. Do you remember the you got you got all the cops in yellow yellow masks. You know who the captain is. You know, and everyone's trying to wear their mask in the in the office. And then there's the red menace guy, and there's someone else. It's yeah. You remember the guy that's like dressed like a cop, but he's wearing a panda head. Oh yeah. No, I didn't know what that was either. I'm like, what is what is this character supposed to be? You know, like Johnson at the big meeting says, you know, Panda Bear, whatever his name is, Panda something. Read that section twelve, the rule about the guns or whatever. And he's just he's just in a cop uniform, like short sleeve shirt, but he's got a panda head. <laughs> it's just weird. It's just weird. But um, but that's all we got. We didn't get a book, like a making of book. We didn't get um, any action figures for the show. We didn't get gum cards. We didn't get Pez dispensers. Um, there were a couple well, in of- Canada. We got you know Watchmen cereal with prizes. Oh, see, that's no, fine. we didn't do that. I wish we did. Yeah. Um, they had at Comic Con that summer before it aired. They had uh, at the hotel. Was certainly the hotel, certainly the luxury hotel that I. Stayed. They had um, the hotel keys were uh, Watchmen promos. So one of them got kind of a Dr. Manhattan logo on it, and the other one's got a weird uh, kind of logo on it. So I kept those. But that's about all that was really done for – there aren't even, like, promotional items that the network sent out. Of course, it yeah, came out. I, I, I don't own any Watchmen merchandise other than the film and the book. Um, I know Figures Toy Company a while ago announced they would be doing 8-inch Mego scale uh, Watchmen figures. And I was like, that's, that's the sound I made. Ooh. And – I thought, yeah, I would, I would love to get a night owl and and uh, a Rorschach and you know, and um, but they they tend to they tend to be kind of like they announce something and it takes a couple of years for it to come out, mm. and I don't know where that's at or if, you know, or if it got kiboshed. Uh, sometimes things get kiboshed for internal reasons, and uh, so I don't know. I don't know if we're, if we're actually ever going to get those. Maybe I think so. Maybe Migo can do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if, you know, Migo's got, uh, so much stuff going on. I can't, I can't see it happening. Although I think they do have the DC license, so they I was could. Say, the DC. I always thought Rorschach's pants had to look, you know, would have to be like the Joker's, yeah. you know, the, the, the Migo Joker's, um. Yeah, purple Joker pants. Purple Joker, you know, leotards with the, the shoes, but, you know, what do I know? Um. <laughs> <laughs> you think about the film, like it's very faithful in many, many ways. The only kind of um, uh, what do you say, de- de- deviations? Is that the term? Is that the word? Um, Rorschach is is dead on. Uh, Silk Spectre's damn close. Um, uh, but Ozymandias and Night Owl, they made the decision that uh, they had to go a little more ninety costumes. Yeah, I, I don't actually like. I do think the Night Owl costume looks good. I just think that um, it's yeah, it's very nineties. Um, with Ozymandias, I always hated his costume, anyways, so it didn't really matter. I agree. I think it looks better in the movie. It's a weird, yeah. weird concoction uh, in the book. But they were saying that they had to dye uh, Rorschach's trousers, his suit, that particular purple to get it to match the book. So it was a custom, you know, custom suit, custom dye. Yeah, I, I know Snyder walked around um, the set holding the book. Mm. So he was really trying. And and it shows. I mean, I, 
like I said, um, he was probably the right director for it uh, because he, he got a lot of it right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, like, I think where he really falls into the weeds is trying to do Batman and Superman, <laughs> even though I, I loved I loved his Justice League for, you know, um, so I'll, 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 I'll take it as I'll go a step further and say, again, this is this is nothing against anyone that likes whatever you like. I sometimes can't believe the guy that did those three films, especially Watchmen, is the same guy making the stuff he's making, because it's I mean, Watchmen's subtle compared to. You know, Batman versus Superman, yeah, you know, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Justice League, you know, uh, it's all just, you know, it's of, it's just of the same kind of concoction. Um, it's, it's weird to me because you, you see the effort and care taken with this, with this thing. Um, and not even that dark. I mean, all things considered, it's a dark story, um, but it's practically day glow compared to, you know, uh, uh, Batman versus Superman. God, does anybody smile? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Irons. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah. So, uh, well, there you go. There's our, there's our watchman. I think we covered all the, I'm sure we forgot something. I'm sure we did. Yeah. Uh, um, there, and there, I'm, I'm sure people will point that out. <laughs> and people will tell us if we did. But yeah, uh, I, I, um, I, don't care if we ever get anything else from this property. Um, I'm going to counter that by saying I hope we get everything, even more than we did, and a whole Watchmen other, babies, and a Watchmen animated. Although a Watchmen animated series could be really cool too. Like you could you could keep it in the before or during or whatever, and no one would get too uptight about uh, you know continuity and whatever. You might have some really I creative. Just, Stuff. Do you ever, you ever know, watch that show on Netflix, The Love and Death and Robots? Have you seen any of that show? No, I never even heard of it. Oh my God, they're 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 shorts, different lengths of time, um, and some of the stuff is just absolutely stunning animation, like little eight minute thing or you know a fifteen minute thing or like you know from horror type aliens type thing to comedy with a couple of robots on a planet or whatever. It's very heavy metal kind of vibe. Uh, but some of the animation is just so stunningly real. It's it's scary. Um, I could see hmm. like Watchmen. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I, I um, I'm good. I mean, sometimes I pick up the um, the movie and I watch it, and you know, it's not a feel good film. <laughs> no. And yeah. um, uh, it's weird. It's it's weird to finish that movie and go like. <sighs> but you you know i like it um i don't know i don't know where, where i'm going with this um it's a, it's, a, it's just one of those things where i i i like it the way it is i don't need uh any continuations any more stories um i was really happy with the television series and i'm completely satisfied that they don't want to bring it back um but that's me i'd say this about the film too in, in at the time and in hindsight, I don't know what other superhero what other superhero film you'd compare this to. It is its no. own thing, not just the not just the subject matter and the characters, 
but it really is a one-off. Again, that's another aspect. All the praise I've given to the, you know, two hours and 45 minutes and no stars and, you know, all this stuff. It also was not a franchise. Studio thing and backed him up. Everything he wanted to do with this, they backed up. Uh, knowing full well they weren't getting a franchise and there wouldn't be Happy Meals and there wouldn't be, you know. <laughs> can you imagine? You know, yeah, I, can, I, would, I, I want Happy Meals. <clears throat> um, but that's an extraordinary achievement. Uh, I don't think you could do, I don't even know if you could, if you did it today, it would be a 12-part series on HBO. Like if somebody, you know, if they ever, and somebody will, somebody will. Yeah, make it a, I, I, would, I would watch a 12-part remake of the series um, I wouldn't have any problem with with watching that sitting down, but just to see it done the way it was portrayed in the book. Right. But I, I can't I can't imagine that um, I can't imagine that they could do a straight portrayal. Uh, I think it would end up being somewhere along the line because because the Snyder's came so close. I I think they'd have to make some sort of you know um, some sort of creative changes in the same way that you know. The the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd movie looks like it leapt off the pages of the comic, um, and the, the 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 Carl Urban version reads like you're reading the comic, if you know yeah, what I'm trying good, to say. That's a good way. You know, right? You know, so so I think somebody would be like, well, we're gonna we're gonna make it exactly like the book, but we're gonna you know the production's going to be completely off the wall different and. So I think that's what you're going to see, you know, you're going to if they ever go that route. That Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm saying you I don't think anybody could make something like this again. It is it is in that pantheon for me of like the Flash Gordon film, you know, certain other things like it's it's a, the Blade Runner. I mean, even though they made a second Blade Runner, but really the original is just it is what it is. And this one is, you know, it is not a family friendly fun romp superhero romp it's a deconstruction and it's dark and oh, it's yeah, mystery. Yeah. there's also a mystery at the core of it and and when you see that when everyone's going to run now it's go watch the the regular trailer not the advanced but the regular the way that rorschach's narration is it's a mystery it's like someone's killing superheroes and da, 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 da. someone's killing mm-hmm. Max. you know it's got all that but it's, it's very film film noir film noir and it wasn't going to lead to a to a franchise but someone's going to do a series i'll bet at some point they will do they will do like a, a 12 part thing. I mean, I just saw a, a trailer for a Showtime series for Let the Right One In. So we had the original foreign film, Let the Right One In. We then had we one, had Let Me In. Let Me In. And now they're going back to the well. They're telling the same story, but they're making it a series and adding more more vampires or a virus or something. Um, so someone's going to do something with Watchmen at some point and we'll probably be dead. So it won't matter. <laughs> but but there you go. There's our Watchmen dissertation. That was kind of long, but hey, so was uh, so was Watchmen. Watchmen. <laughs> I was gonna make a Doctor Manhattan joke, but I thought better of it. Oh yeah, well Doctor Manhattan on a TV series. Um, anywho, yeah, there you go. I hope you've enjoyed that, and uh, please please let us know what you think. Yeah, and uh, you can hit us up in the comments here on YouTube, or you can uh, visit our. Uh, facebook group pod stallions and where there are almost two thousand people now yeah and while you're over at youtube 
head on over to the Entertainment Earth YouTube channel and watch Plastic Soul, the show that I host and write and talk about stuff. And why not subscribe? Hosted by the one that sounds like Mark Hamill, not the one that sounds like Seth Rogen. Right. Yeah. I'm the ugly one that sounds like Mark Hamill. Oh, sir. Brian's the... (laughs) Brian's the handsome fella that sounds like Seth Rogen. It's a dichotomy. Uh-huh. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate your listening, and I hope you enjoyed that. I've learned something. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have too. Um, thanks, everybody, and we'll be back uh, sooner than you know. Bye. Bye.